Hey everybody, how's it going? It's Locally or Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Biggs. <clears throat> a little late this time out. Uh, we had a lot of things this last week, man. It's been, um, I had a death in the family. Uh, R.I.P. to my Uncle Wes. He had a stroke and passed away a few days after that. So, um, we get kind of getting back in the saddle here. And we had some scheduling problems. We're in uh, contact with the, the boys in uh, Kingdom of Ashes. Um... I think we're going to try to get the whole band on if we can manage it. But right now we might just have one of the guys on because they are they got some stuff coming up. They've been working <clears throat> in the studio, and I know they had a gig last week in Dallas. Um, so, you know, things are starting to – I would say they're starting to pop up, but I, I realistically they are exploding right now in the live entertainment world. If, if you're off on a Wednesday night and you're – say you don't have anything to do that's – bullshit there's shit to do all over <laughs> but uh we're, we're talking with those guys we're trying to line that up so uh stay tuned for that also uh elizabeth turner uh who did some work with johnny hollis who we had on a, a couple weeks ago uh we're gonna try and have her on next month she's got some stuff coming up and i know she's playing gigs around the metro area so if y'all hear of her uh get tickets go support your local artist man she's a she's a cool chick got to talk to her a little bit yesterday over facebook and um Anyway, so we're trying to get everything worked out, try to get everything scheduled. So for today, we went with our, our regular backup, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. Our friend uh, Skyler's back in with us, man. I feel like we only kind of scratched the surface last week. It seemed like it went pretty quick. So, I mean, it'd be a good, good uh, follow-up to kind of dig in let people know uh, a little more about you. Yeah, sure, man. So, how you doing, Jonathan? I'm all right. <laughs> it's been a long week. Dude, it has. And then it's like shitty outside, you know, so it's all just bummer all around, man. Anyway, how you been, man? I've been good. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we're a beer budget operation around here. Oh, man. <laughs> no, I've been Some high-class equipment. <laughs> been good, just uh, getting back in the swing of being in an office again. Oh, you went back, huh? Yeah. Oh, you're doing the part-time thing, ain't you? Or the... Hybrid, yeah, hybrid schedule. My company just uh, started going back to the office, so oh, man. get used to that again. Wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like I, I do uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing. We didn't really. There was no change. You know, we wear masks to work, but I mean, everything we do is inside of a sterile environment. So right, like, what are you gonna do? Hell. I guess we can kind of pick up where we left off there, huh? How's the uh, the uh, rigs? How are you? I know you say you wanted to do gear gear review stuff. Have you kind of dipped your toes into that yet, or are you still trying to kind of figure out what what kind of framework you want to go with? I'm still trying to figure out like how I want to do it because gear reviews and demos are a dime a dozen on on the yeah, internet. So, yeah. So um, you know, like like any good artist you know aspiring you know professional internet artist or whatever you, you know you try to find okay what's your hook yeah you know, what, what are you going to do differently so uh i had some really good feedback on the the first demo i tried a couple weeks ago on, on a particular pedal and i i think for me it's that i didn't spend three minutes talking i hmm. uh, you know that i think that's my biggest pet peeve when i look at for demo reviews of any kind not just gear but if i'm trying to learn how to do a process or how to use something right if i'm trying to find a tutorial um most people spend about a minute to three minutes just 
talking about like their channel and, and things and, and that's fine. Uh, I, th I think you can talk about it in an introductory video and then like pin that to your homepage, but, uh, or, or just even be, just a I quick, mean, yeah, like, yeah. uh, like, uh, Tim pool does the whole, uh, you know, check out this website. If you, if you want to support our work, look into it, you know, it's on here and right. then they just go right into it. They're like, we're going to get into yeah. it. So, I mean, so. there's some really smooth advertising out there. Not all of it is as, as obvious as just the whole, like, you know, your volume goes to 11 and they're talking about Tyson chicken. It's. Like the timeline series on YouTube, they do it super smooth. They actually, because they go back and they look at the time, like 1990 or whatever, what was going on. They'll cut and they'll actually insert commercials from 1990. And you watch it because, oh, nostalgia, you know. <laughs> little did the, little do you know. <laughs> right. You just got played, you know, you just got advertised to. Like, oh, mm -hmm. that's smooth. But I guess it's not, it's not that easy in the music uh because when you're reviewing gear, especially something like music or tone, everybody has a... It's subjective. Right. Everybody has a little different taste. Everybody has a little different idea what makes a, a tone great. Mm -hmm. So, and especially now with digital stuff. Holy crap. That's why I try and find like super low budget videos, like tutorials. So I'll, I'll watch like some of the favorites. You have some famous or, you know, internet famous Rep Shaw is one of my... Okay, yeah. Go-to guys, yeah. So you, you'll, you'll go to them first because they're your favorite. They're more well-known. They're popular. So you, And they usually do really good reviews. A lot of it is editing, and, and they, they do things to make it sound good. Um, and that's great. I want to know the potential a piece of gear has. But then I go and find, like, this is 43 views and, you know, like, two thumbs up or whatever just to see, okay, this is probably a cell phone video, so at its worst, what can this sound like? <laughs> Uh -huh. You know, because some, some, some you're people, trying to be the perfect C student. That's what you're trying to do. C's get degrees, man. Hey, man, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I, I like to try to look at all I can before I mess around with it on my own, which is why my time is valuable. I'm spending too much time watching videos, so I don't want to hear somebody talk for three minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the time, uh, whenever I go on YouTube to look for a tutorial or or to uh, look at something and look into a piece of gear or anything like that, I, I pull up the video and I end up skipping about two to three minutes, you know, three, four minutes of the video. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, where's the information I need? Right. Where's the information I need? And I just keep on going forward until I find the information. So, I mean, it's, it's like people aren't actually watching your whole video, man. <laughs> like, no. Well, and, and then you get like, especially, okay. The new age, the digital rigs or, or just how to navigate like a, a mixing board like that we have over here. Where do beginners go? That's what they're, they're going to go right. to YouTube. You know, the guys with experience, they're not, unless it's a specialty problem or troubleshooting, they're probably not going to YouTube, but a beginner is going to go to YouTube. So when I am being introduced to a piece of gear, I like, I like to see the very basics and, uh, tell me the potential of digging in beyond that, but don't show me everything. Let me fuck around, you know, a little bit and right. maybe do a follow up or whatever. But the, the very basic, like, there's some, some kids starting out, they don't understand the dynamics of some basic EQ, treble, mids, bass. Yeah. And some of that stuff can be super helpful uh, as far as shaping tone, how to, especially when it comes to mixing it with a bass and drum. Right. You know, it, it gets very, sucking out the mids like Metallica did in 88. I swear to God, it only worked for them because nobody else <laughs> has been able to get it. 
And it's, you know, when you hear that album kick off, it sounds like the air is just being sucked out of oh, the yeah. room. <laughs> and that's when Metal Zone was invented. Man, I tell you. Mesa Boogies, too, man. Yep. Classic. I think everyone makes that noise oh, when you hear Mesa Boogie. Shit, man. Love them. I have a buddy of mine, Rick, uh, Rick Parker. He's a local musician, too. I need to have him on, come to think of it, man. Uh, <laughs> It's it's just weird when like you know so many friends that are musicians you'd stop you'd, it you'd, you know you have to kind of take perspective like holy shit because here I'm freaking out we we're having trouble scheduling guests and it's like you know you can just call some friends like <laughs> like yeah case in point you know <laughs> but ain't nothing wrong with just shooting the shit man I mean especially after last week Jesus Christ but uh so so what what What's your preference as far as the digital analog argument? That's a, it's a it's starting to become an age old argument, but it gets newer every year because the analog circuits mm -hmm. they, they while they remain the traditional circuitry, they they still manage to do new things with it. Right. You know, so it's interesting on that front. And then the digital rigs, it's just getting so fucking good there. It's like holy shit, you know. Yeah, I I use the uh, the positive grid bias effects software. On almost everything. Um, there's actually some really cool free digital tools uh, that I use for very certain tones. Um, but ultimately, I, I think there's nothing wrong. Like, I, I guess I would be pretty neutral, but I am very pro-digital effects. I, I'm very pro, like, just DI into your, your system and, you know, record drag tracks with the DAW. But I'm also somebody that always invested in like the technological side the like the digital side of things so i didn't really spend a lot of time in my early years well i mean when we were coming up the, i think the line six was really the new hot thing yeah yeah you know? that was that was my amp i had yeah. the spider everybody had that. yeah everybody had a spider <laughs> um but then then you learn <laughs> well i didn't learn because i bought a Line six pod HD five hundred X like hey, later on down the road. Those are great for just in the room, in the bedroom, or learning. You know. Yeah, but mm. I ended up using them, you know, as a touring musician and got results may vary. Results may vary. Uh, it's it. You're right. It's easy when it's just you playing, but when you're trying to get that in a mix, yeah, uh, live or oh, recording, it's, it's it's awful. Yeah. As um, soon as you figure, you think, man, I got my tone really. Mm -hmm. shaped in you know in your bedroom or whatever jam jam session and then you bring it in with a, a bottom end and then the kick drum the kick drum alone can mm -hmm. affect the way your guitar sounds as you're strumming sometimes you got to change that up you know it's it's pretty crazy when yeah. you bring it to the live setting i'm i'm, I'm both i you know i see the potential for digital especially when it comes to continuity in a studio right but i don't know the analog rigs just man when you when you crank up a Marshall or an Orange or Mesa Boogie, oh man! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I I feel like digital is the way to go for recording. I guess I, I'll I'll say that I'm not, and maybe this is just my you know my old fartiness. I I think it's a a, a cheap shot, and I'm, I might get in trouble ha having a laptop on stage with you, if you're playing like a rock and metal show. But I get there's a lot of, you know like like, animals as leaders. Mm -hmm. I doubt they can do everything you hear live. I mean, there, there's definitely going to be some synth and everything that most of them can't. And it's more of a live. 
It's more of an angled thing too. Like whenever right. you uh, when you see a band on stage that it's actually doing that, it's using the digital and stuff. If you're sitting on the side of the stage, you uh, a lot of times they'll place things in a way where you don't see it. Right. And then and then whenever you actually like are on the side, if you're working the show or you're like in the back and you, and you look at the stage, you you see a lot of equipment that you wouldn't think. And so oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, and and so that some of those bands could it literally hit a button, and if and if one of their pieces of gear goes out, they have a pre-recorded loop that will play that loop or whatever it right. is of that, um, and some of that stuff just auto auto does it, so right. then it will it will and protect I it. I don't oppose. I don't fault the band if you're, right, if for you're having, for on having, a massive yeah. scale, you got to deliver. Now, between per, using it for production value and using it as a supplement. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between lip syncing and uh, and actually like using it for a reason, right? Know? And like some bands, they'll have an orchestral part. Like you mm-hmm. can't afford to br- some of these. You can't afford to bring an entire twelve-piece right. orchestra, eighteen-piece orchestra on and stage that's, with that's you. That's when you add to go. the production value. Yeah. But if you're you're doing it just because, oh, I, I need to play this, you know, lick, but I can't do it live. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know hit the foot switch hit the hit the play button yeah at that time like that that's you need what to I'm... go in the woodshed and chop up something yeah, yeah that's 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 lazy but I, I feel that a lot of bands are guilty of it yeah know? so so we'll say at all available costs you should try to do a full analog rig um, and that's not to say you can't have like digital pedals or anything like that sure but um, like I don't know if you can have a straight analog rig today. I mean, at some point, there's some kind of modulation gonna is gonna be happening. Yeah. But as far as just from your guitar to your amps to that output, yeah. Oops, sorry. Yeah, pedal boards are fair game in my opinion. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Unless you use like a full multi effects all in one box. You mean a live, Line Six Pod Five Hundred? That X? could really yeah. get complicated quick. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it was it was not my favorite pedal. Uh, or processor it had really good tone when i was playing by myself but once i started you know being back on the live circuit and i tried running it through i had even a tube amp and i had an amp with an effects loop i went through about three amps with that band um that i was in just because i couldn't find the right tone and then i you know had the realizations like oh i'm running this massive processor board which really didn't need an amp i was running it through another amp yeah when this thing already had you know amp sims because i wasn't really you know we were talking about tutorial videos. Like there was a lot I didn't know about that thing, and I, I'm sure I might be able to find a decent tone. But it would be much easier just to get a good amp, invest in a good amp that has a good tone, and then buy the small little tweaks you need to make. Yeah. In, in the pedal chain. Yeah, and for live, uh, that's I think where most most players go, mm-hmm. especially like guys that came up in kind of our time, like the early 2000, late nineties, I guess. Well, yeah. you probably started playing even before I did. I mean, I started playing around 13, 14. Yeah. I started playing when I was seven. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so nineties up to the early two thousands. And it's like the new metal craze was the hot, that was the thing. Right. And every one of them was either Mesa boogies, line six, Ibanez. Like that was it. Get your Schecter. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, that came around too. Yeah, the Schecter. Uh, man. But, I mean, credit to them. Schecter makes some really good guitars. Yeah. They just don't make them in a style I'd, I'd want to keep around the house. I don't know. I'm more into the. I like my Telecasters. Ironically, I always. I never played Fenders growing up. Hmm. I mean, I never really. Eh, just never really did. 
and then I bought that Strat on a whim. <clears throat> I saw Kenny Wayne Shepard doing a promo for Fender, for, and they had changed up the necks that year. They went from that hybrid or, uh, modified C. So it's actually like a more like a Les Paul feel down at the bottom frets, and it flattens up as you move up the neck. Interesting. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a... Strings are probably rusted. I haven't been paying much attention to them lately, but you can kind of feel it down by the heel. It gets flat and then it gets more round and wide yeah. up top. Really awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, So, yeah, and I think it's actually shorter, shorter too. It, it, it felt um, a little stout. Yeah, and I mean, I really liked it. It's it's nothing fancy. It's just a Strat, you know. It's uh, it's U.S. though. It's U.S. Strat. So I bought it that year, and I've been hooked ever since. The frets though are actually like the narrow tall, so they're uh, a little more harsh on the fingers than than a Les Paul or whatever, and you can't really play slide all that great with it. But it's a Strat, so I don't really play a lot of slide with it anyways. Right but, on. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I... Nice. Feels good. I did that year, and then the Telecasters, they just kind of started creeping in after that. And ever since then, I've been stuck on the Telecasters. I just love Telecasters. I love all guitars. I just love guitars, but those are my. that's my preference. Nice. Yeah, I, I've never really played a lot of uh, Strats. I had, I had one Strat... Actually, I think I, it was like a, you know, my first Strat uh, type of kit. <laughs> oh, mine was a Kramer, actually. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, the old Music Yo there days. You go. Oh, boy. Act one. No, Act first. Showing our, our, our aged there. <laughs> uh, but no, it, I, the more I think about it, I think it actually was a PV Strat. Um, so, you know, it, it was pretty decent. And uh, I can't remember why I ended up selling that. But then uh, when I was going to church, there was a uh, one of the guys there like came across something on craigslist and he's like yep it's a it's an mim fender strat it, like i got a deal on it so here you go and i was like Shh, i was i was about to cuss but I, was like, I, I didn't cuss when i was in church but uh sure sure but yeah so i played that for a while and then i ended up trading that which i regret well was that a was that just a standard strat or did it have the humbucker i was a standard because i had one from it was a mexican uh, humbucker i liked it but it's still, I was caught in between that. It's it's not, you can't quite get the high gain from mm -hmm. it still. It's still got the twang. Right. And and I, I chalked that up later to the, the whole scale length of the guitar is different. I didn't know that. I just figured if you wanted a humbucker tone, you just throw a humbucker in the guitar. <laughs> a little more complicated than that. Right. But. You know, mine was single coil and, and it was it was really nice. I don't remember why. I, I think I traded it for a bass. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which, you know, it serves it. I probably use the bass more than I would a Strat, honestly. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm more, I'm more of a Les Paul guy. Like, you know, the, the gold top you sold me, man. Like that's. Oh, that's, that's, why you gotta bring that up? Twist the knife. <laughs> <laughs> now the gold top is uh, that. That's been my, my weapon of choice for. You know, well, since you sold it to me. That guitar is unlike any other guitar I've ever really held. The mm -hmm. neck is different. I mean, it's it looks like kind of like a Les Paul, but it doesn't play like a Les no, Paul. No, no, not a standard Les Paul. Um, 
because I I've, I've had a standardless Pollock. I had a I'm pretty sure it was you know it was a Chinese copy of like I, that Zach Wild. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you got burned on that one. Yeah, man. Uh, happens. It's, I don't think I was burned. Oh, I was definitely burned on what I thought I was buying. Right. Um, but I turned it into what I needed it to be. So, you know, after I bought it and it came with like you know cheap old humbuckers and like oh this isn't the Zach Wild signature series. Yeah. Um, I I just went and bought the Zach Wild EMGs and uh, threw threw them in there and for what it was worth like it was a workhorse for probably eleven years. Uh, before like the neck started to crush, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that neck was made out of like compressed plywood. Well, <laughs> it depends on when you got it, man. I know a lot of the chipsons they they call them. They actually come from the Epiphone factory. So okay. A lot of them of what you're getting is an Epiphone that's they just slap the Gibson logo on it. Right. You know? And a lot of guys, you know, you can say what you want about them, but if you're a touring musician and you don't have a, tons of money, it's just how you make a living. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take a $3,000 Les Paul on the road with me. No. You know? And, you know, uh, Brendan Small, I think I mentioned him last time I was here, but Brendan Small, who did um, uh, Metalocalypse, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Death Clock as well as I was going to try to say, um, he, he's he's a big Epiphone guy. I mean, he, he has like a Gibson, uh, I think, Epiphone like contract, but a lot of what he promotes is, you know, effectively affordable good guitars like that yeah. my explorer is an epiphone and i love that thing like epiphone makes good stuff i've had gibsons and the two les pauls i've kept are two epiphones mm -hmm. i've i've traded the the other ones off um i got still got my firebird though i don't that's that's kind of one of those two that's like it's unlike any other guitar right so even if i'm not feeling it that day i still can't bring myself to sell it not well that's you know, the johnny well, 20th anniversary isn't it yeah johnny hollis he keeps throwing me offers out I'm like I don't know mate um, eventually I'm sure he's gonna hit that number but I just I don't know <laughs> I like it I like it a lot but I've, I've went through so much gear over the years and I, ironically the only amp that came through unscathed is a piece of shit crate I've had marshals <laughs> those things I've are had, tanks I've I've had, had, oh I, I still have a little crate <laughs> it is indestructible I have tried to kill it <laughs> but yeah, and I had a Vox AC30 Blueface. It's no longer with me. Oof. That's another one that went the way of the gold top, but I haven't never seen that one again. Wish I would. Oh, man. <clears throat> but to be fair, it was entirely too much volume for my little old room. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you start thinking back on how much money went through your hands, it kind of starts to be like, ah, oh, shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm more focused on, like, I sold things before I knew what I had. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I did too. So I, I had a good uh mark like my first half stack was this Marshall fifty watt. It was um it wasn't solid state, it was like a hybrid like solid state tube. Can't remember what those are called. Well, most of them I think most of the Marshalls kinda went that way. Hell even up to like the ace the uh uh oh god damn the JCM eight hundreds and stuff. <laughs> you know, they're they kinda got the solid state rectifiers. But they're also traditional tube amps. Right. You know. So <clears throat> that one I kind of regret getting rid of. And then the, the one the one amp I wish I had never sold was my PV Windsor. 100 watt tube amp. I've never heard someone say, I wish I would have never sold my PV. Ever. Dude. That's that, a first. <laughs> that, that was... It was another situation where I, th I thought the amp was the problem. Oh, yeah. 
and it, it just turned out I didn't know enough about effects chains and effects loops at the time. I thought the effects loop was the issue. Then I realized it was, or I thought the amp, the amp circuit of the effects loop was the problem, and it turned out it was uh, a particular processor board. Yeah, it wasn't configured properly. Well, and yeah, that's that's part of the learning process. Same with like the whole doing videos, like you said last time, with algorithms and mm -hmm. copyright laws and all this. It's just it's crazy. And then like, okay, how does that affect you on your gear review stuff? Like, if you were to play. A, an original cover, so to speak. Say you just threw a Metallica riff out there, but it's you on this piece of gear. How does that work? So a lot of just single cover stuff doesn't get flagged, but where it gets flagged, I think is they they literally do like an audio analysis of like you know beat structure and timing and things like uh, that. Um, yeah, I have no like analytic data to back this up. This is just my conspiracy assumption, but it could be right. But effectively, like, when some people do, like, like myself, when I do a lot of covers now, I'll download the MIDI from the tablature. So I, I'll have the tablature of the drum tracks and the bass tracks, and I will download, uh, or I'll, you know, download or create the MIDI based off those tabs. And so it is an exact, what is documented as copyrighted material. That would be my assumption of why it would get flagged, is because, like, okay, the, these drums are definitely those drums. But it's still a MIDI file, like... But not when it's being uploaded. It's a, it's a wave or it's an MP3, so it is an audio oh. signature. Um, and I guess tone doesn't really matter at that point. Mm. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't I mean, think so. You know, if if it's if it's the same beat structure, if it meets the same wave format to a certain degree, then it's probably going to get flagged. And I think that's where I'm at least getting in trouble. So I might try, you know, pulling out some some hits on on the drum track and, you know, try to tweak it a little bit better. Well, I mean, you can go the Metallica route and just change the snare drum. <laughs> uh, I actually had a large, uh, a decent discussion about pop snares with uh, my coworkers this week. I was listening to, to uh, the Saint Anger album. Man, I don't think I've listened to that album and since it came out. Yeah. Yeah, I just never wanted to revisit it. It's a uncomfortable album to listen to which it I, is honestly i think that's kind of that's where they were at you know i mean obviously. if you're listening to it as a metallica album it's it's awful it's a train wreck um i like it it's a really good metal album in my opinion especially for that time frame that era mm. what was that like oh three mm, oh a little later i think yeah maybe but at any rate that was that's from my recollection of that time period for whatever it's worth, that was more like an industrial type of... of New metal was... Yeah. yeah. And so that pop snare, it made sense for the time, but it was not a Metallica. It didn't Metallica make sense for Metallica. However, yeah. I believe all things happen and and occur, and that's how good things happen and occur. Sure. So we wouldn't have, <laughs> you know, the evolution of Death Magnetic and then Hardwired to Self-Destruct if we didn't have Saint Anger. They wouldn't have evolved. Yeah. Know? And, you know, sometimes too, sometimes you have to destroy your image to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> you gotta crack a few eggs. Well, I mean, and, <laughs> and when, you, when, you're, when you think of something like Metallic, these, these flagship bands, like mm -hmm. Kiss had to take their makeup off. I mean, it's like at some point, the gimmick's up. Like, you gotta change it or, yeah, you're gonna lose some fans, 
you're probably not going to lose any fans. They're just going to bitch about you, which that's part of being a fan, you know. Can we talk about Dave Ellison yet? Actually, I've I've only recently just seen the headline today. I'd had I've been unplugged. Maybe you can fill me in. I, I don't know exactly what's going on. So there have been allegations. the The original allegations were that uh, there there were video calls leaked of him on Instagram with and under like the allegations are apparently that he was grooming an underage girl over Instagram. Okay. Uh, there have been other articles where the leaker either knows or was the woman and says the woman was not underage. It was a very consensual thing. It's just something embarrassing because now, you know, once you're flagged like that, it, there is no, the court of public opinion is out. Right. Be, you know? Even though now the I guess the allegations are you know what you would just call less because now it's just he was cheating on his wife. Uh, yeah, you you still kind of have that. That stain, but uh, you know, Meg released the statement last yesterday, you know, saying that they're they're watching the situation. That's what I saw. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I, I didn't dig in any further. I just was like, okay. I thought maybe David. I thought he maybe got sick or something. I don't know. Right. But it was very broad. It didn't go into details on that press well, release. So yeah, and so if if the 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 latter article that I read is true, then yeah, it's just something super embarrassing, and that's probably why Megadeth. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really Dave, seem... if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies from the biggest residence. Right. <laughs> oh, well, if it's your residence, I'm going to say whatever. Oh, oh, I mean. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would, wouldn't mind Dave Mustaine coming on the show to straighten this out. Hey, but, I mean, I- I'm game. Hey, I'd be a- a totally okay with that. But so, I mean, okay, so embarrassing, granted, but... To man, once somebody throws that pedo label on somebody, it doesn't matter what happens after that. They're already labeled, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of the reverb from the whole victim victim culture. Like, it's almost like there's a contest these days of victimization, where like actual victims end up getting buried. Because you got people limping in with this shit. Like, oh, he was a dementia patient in a wheelchair and he touched my ass. Like, yeah, crazy fucking deteriorating people do crazy deteriorating shit. Like, how are you limping in with this shit as a sexual assault when this chick over here got raped? Legitimately, nobody hears that shit, you know? Well, that, that kind of goes into a, another, you know, art, artist situation is the Marilyn Manson business. Yeah. I, there was an article this week that said, or that's claiming, you know allegedly they were getting fake victims to come forward to water down to bear well to, hey, to, to bury yeah to if bury you're playing that game victims. in chess that's exactly what you would want to do play the queen i mean <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i mean does, doesn't make it right but yeah that doesn't make it right but i mean it's definitely a, a move you could play but at the end i don't know that whole front is like part pardon me but part of me is like he freely admitted that he was a fucking piece of trash in his autobiography in 1997 right and now we're shocked okay well i think it's just people going back and and pulling this stuff up which i you know i guess 
you got to pay the price for what for this shit's going to come due eventually. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of my brain, I'm like, yeah, you know, people change. You know, every ten years or so, you're a whole. I mean, if you were to pull up shit that I said or whatever ten years ago, I don't. You know, I don't even think you're talking to the same person today. No. I mean, that that's something that we've that my wife and I talk about all the time. Is we we have these debates when situations like this come up and. Um, what you know what what was said before is like you know have you grown from from your you know what you did in the past did you grow from this and if you didn't grow then then you should be then you should be but if you know i if if somebody dressed up you know in a confederate you know soldier uniform back in the day for a costume contest definitely not uh not 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 couth now in bad taste for sure it's super bad taste but, well, that would be like trying to cancel Lemmy. But, I mean, right. Because <laughs> you know, he wore, in a lot of shows, he used to wear a lot of Confederate type. Sure. Outfits. Oh, no, no. Lemmy was more, he did the Nazi stuff. I don't think he ever wore the Confederate. Well, stuff. he used to do that too. Oh. But yeah, he has but pictures of him wearing like that. It was shock value, though. It wasn't yeah. because yeah, he, he freely admitted. But a lot of it, a lot of it's actually anti Nazi, which a lot of people don't really know that about you know, about that side of the world, uh, the bikers and the metalheads that do it. Like, it's actually supposed to be anti. It's to right. reclaim. The symbol for the old like beliefs of that symbol so i don't know if they're going to be very successful with that uh, yeah, I don't know <laughs> no i don't know but i don't either but but the point is you know if if that's you know you're right that could be who you were 10 years ago if you've grown then i don't think it should be not not that like okay if you did something completely heinous like let's say it was a, a crime sure, if you crimed sure. 10 years ago and you never yeah, harvey you know, weinstein legit should be Absolutely punished for sure. that. If you victimized somebody in a very direct way, yeah. But Todd in accounting that, you know, brought a shake weight to a white elephant party. <laughs> maybe he shouldn't have been fired, but, you know, I'm sure he learned his lesson. Oh, my God. I bet that's happened somewhere before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it happened at one of my... My previous employers, uh, oh, somebody brought no. a, a shake weight. And if you uh, if you have like a um, what is it, dirty Santa party at a workplace? Not exactly yeah, dirty. Yeah, yeah. You 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 need to clarify <laughs> that it it can't be like certain types of items. Like that that's a that's a um, I'm, I, I I have an HR degree, so that I'm telling you I'm telling you that you probably should do that. Also, that pro tip should, should lace out the rules before you have those events. Well, pro tip: don't um, demonstrate how the shake weight works when the CIO <laughs> is on the floor at the party. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not in certain angles. It, it was also in a very suggestive manner in which that guy did it. That would so be something. I'm glad I never. I mean, I mean, does a... does he qualify for unemployment on that one? I mean, it's it's no fault of your own. You're you like, I didn't said know. I didn't. It was dirty Santa. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though, man. It's like, come on, you know, people fuck up, and uh, you know, you have to be able to say, you have to be able to apologize. But you have to be able to be forgiven, too. Because if you're not, it's just going to feed into that and make someone even more hardcore in whatever they fucked up mm-hmm. on. You know, they're just going to double down. So I think we're seeing the kickback of a lot of that. Because a lot of those people with platforms that scream about everything are just 
had so many people just say, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm, I'm checking out that now they actually have to, uh, attack each other because there's nobody else to left to go after. I yep. mean, once you put out Charlie Sheen, what else is there? You know? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Who will know it, you guys? <laughs> Who are you going to pick on now? You know? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see as far as, like, how everything uh, falls into place with um, copyrights and stuff like that with the <coughs> internet coming on. Because when you talk songwriting... And Led Zeppelin just had a case, you know, and it's been going on forever. But, it, you know, basically to bring something forth to the copyright courts or whoever's going to look at it, there has to be, first, there has to be like three main things that they can prove are similar or just like it. Usually it starts with lyrical content, melody, and then structure like uh, no verse chorus no. yeah you know bridge whatever how it's constructed <clears throat> and if if you can prove two out of three of those at that point it'll usually go further but if if it's just one like you can't claim i have i created these these four chord changes there's only 12 fucking chords right so or 12 notes well and, you were playing something for me earlier and, that's in, it's a, it's and a, i was a, able to major. guess like the, yeah. the, i was able to guess like two chords ahead. very basic yeah most songs are you know right i mean that's just you only have so much to work with. So that, if someone comes to them and say, oh, these are the same chords, almost gets thrown out immediately. Like, that's not if That's valid. all you got, yeah. Now, if you got those four chords and a melody over the top of it that's the same, or the same words in a different melody, you right. know, then you got a little more to work with. And the Stairway to Heaven thing was drug on for way too long, if you ask me. Yeah. Because uh, basically all they had was a similar chord structure. So, but I mean, I don't know how that's going to work with the online thing and what, how, what you're going to have to be dealing with as far as that type of deal. If Greta, if Greta Van Fleet can get away with sounding the way they sound. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, pretty much. I, don't I, I was in a bar and I heard them and I, and I go, and I was like, I was like, what Led Zeppelin stuff is this? And somebody goes, oh no, it's Greta's Grand Fleet or whatever. And I'm like, no. Like, you should not be trying to recreate well, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I'm going to step in and defend them at some point because they're super young. Like, they haven't, they haven't had that chance to really become their own band. Like, you know, when you come out and you're 19, 20, 21, 22, I mean, you're still wearing those, those flags like on your sleeves, yeah. you know? I mean, th those influences are going to be super heavy. But as they develop, they'll, I'm sure they'll they'll get their own thing. Because uh, because I like hang out with a lot of the people that do the the DJing stuff, you know, with uh, Preethi and a couple other people that that I've met, and it a lot of them they're you know they're doing all their stuff on Twitch, like what we talked about yeah, on that yeah. episode, you know, and and the issue that they're running into is that Twitch was a gaming platform. It wasn't it wasn't meant originally to do that. It was just like, oh, we're going to do some live feeds. We're going to let you play some games. People watch you play some video games. Right. Most of these gaming companies, they have licensing for that. So they're like, oh, well, we license the ability to, to do a live recording of this game. So then the, the music in the background is not affected, you know, on those people as much. Um, but then but then whenever these live feeds go on for the DJs, they'll, they'll be doing a set. And when they're live, they don't, they don't get cut, right? So they'll do a whole set. But then... Um, halfway through the set sometimes um, every once in a while they'll get cut and so then their whole feed will just drop and people in the comments will be like 
hey, where'd the sound go? Right. And they're, they're questioning. Now, I look at it from this perspective. What is the person doing to bring that music to light? Are they blatantly stealing your music? Or are they actually giving you an outlet? Because because a DJ that's that's doing a stream, that's playing your music, some of that music nobody's ever heard before. And so that music is actually, you would get people in the comments going, hey, what song is that? Who's who plays that song? You know, and then and then the DJ would be like, "Oh, that's uh, you know my set my sets list is is right here in the comments. Uh, it's number five or whatever you so know then order the DJ of the song becomes a platform themselves." Right? Yeah, and then and and so a lot of times that a lot of it becomes donation. So uh, nonprofit um, uh, was it Darren O'Neill, uh, old old DJ back in the day, uh, radio DJ does No Agenda streams um, rock and roll show before before the actual like other podcast plays. He plays a lot of live um, like rock and old music and all this kind of stuff. He's on his own platform, so No Agenda streams his own platform. They allow all that to happen. But they're a nonprofit, so they never ever get demonetized or taken down or anything like that. Because because basically he himself as a radio DJ has he has a license to do that music. But the thing is that it doesn't matter because it's podcasting. So you can play music over podcasting, but yet you can't. Um, and there's no way to turn it off. There's no way to cut the feeds. Like uh, if you do it right, there's no way that they can pull you. And so um, so there's a lot of protectors in play. Now, are they trying to get at that Spotify and all these different people? Yes, they they're going after it. They're trying to um, make it where basically you you play music on Spotify and they hear it and it's an artist on there. Then they can actually pull it and say, well, on our platform, we're not going to allow you to play this music. And, and it's this like, is, well, this I got is, approval from the band. I don't have to ask you. You're not you even know? using it as a profitable it's like you're using it for part of your show like a background or intro or something like that yes and and so and and so like sometimes what what happens is that that like you'll 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 be listening to something and then out of nowhere like because of the platform it's on out of nowhere it will it will Hmm. go blank um and, and that youtube does it um, and, and all these other platforms do it, uh, because they don't hold the license. So, so that's the problem is that they don't have the licensing, but then whenever you actually look back on the old ways that recording industry does that, you know, I, 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 th- I think that it's outdated. I, I think a lot of it's outdated because like, you know, whenever people are alive and they are actually doing it for the right reasons it'd be like me i i'm I'm trying to put together a um uh, you know more bands radio and uh and a live feed that basically what i'm going to do is is that i'm going to go online i'm going to find music and these are local artists and they're all over the u.s and i want to start doing basically radio djing type work where i just sit there and play local music i'll point out where they're from pull pull out their information tell people to check them out right but the thing is though is that what are the chances of those bands coming after me that's lower because they're local right but the odds well that goes back to our value for value thing is you know if that's give if we give them a leg up they would probably be more likely to want to work with us yes yeah exactly and that but but the thing is though is that these big bands right like it's not even them it's it's not even them uh like uh some of it some of these big bands they don't care that people play their music they're actually humbled by it but then but then the recording it's always every single time that i've ever been hit online about it it's always been 
this recording label owns the rights yeah. to this music. It's always MGM. It's always uh, like um, what is it, Warner Brothers? Yep. Warner uh, and, and Warner Brothers music, and and it's like they have a a, a, a monopoly on the on the algorithms to make it where nobody can ever play their music anywhere other than on the radio or it, it, they're getting paid for it and 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 I don't I don't understand that concept either because it's like well if I if I pay for it so um so my friend um Preethi like she she buys music for her DJ set she actually pays for her music a lot of DJs they go on and they just download music yeah. they steal it you know and yet they yeah, some of them they never get hit but then she's been hit and yet she actually went and bought the commercial license to play that music. So she has the right to do that. And yet yet she would have to go through a, a lot of loops to even say, hey, I'm, I have this right to do this. Yeah, and and so then if you submit it to there, yeah, it should be just a, a simple like algorithm. Hey, this is a, uh, a licensing. So um, nowadays... Uh, with NFTs, uh, Bitcoin, uh, you know, like um, the uh, the crypto stuff, uh, they're starting to make cryptos in Ethereum that actually have reasons. So uh, they're actually creating one for um, in NFTs that will work for music. So then it, it will actually have a you bought this this license, and then that crypto it's an only license. So you own that, and so then whenever you play it online, they can make the algorithm read that that coding and then whenever it sees it it says oh this person actually has a commercial license to play this and people can't just steal it because if you try to steal a file that's been encrypted like that it won't work it will make weird noises it will do weird stuff that we used to run into that when we used to steal music on it's online like, they used like to put the, stuff in the music and, and everything handful so. of wet sand theory of business you know they're just trying to hang on and squeeze it as tight as they can but every, you know the more you do that the more people are going to find a way to just slip in and get it out you know yeah and i mean and it's changing there's apps like 10 can and um was it scoop and like all these different apps that do live feeds and people are are using their cell phones to just get online and just start talking and doing podcasts and talks and all that kind of stuff and there's people playing music and they're in the background they're doing all sorts of stuff so i mean it i don't i don't see the copyright law even keeping up they're, yeah. they're they're trying with the algorithms i mean they do a pretty good job for the most part but but that's, I, I i don't see just, it keeping up that's like the police it's not actually the law you know what i mean that's that's kind of all it seems like to me the algorithms are just kind of keeping things quelled but they're not it's not actually either it doesn't necessarily legitimately mean that it's doing a good job you know, like we were talking, is there even any such thing as original content anymore? I mean, once you get past those three main things in traditional copyright, then what? You know, then you split it down even more and more and more. And it's like the algorithms are just cutting the fat off of that process. They're like, oh, this is recognized in this way. Therefore, we'll just flag it. And if and then, like you said, if, if the creator has a problem, then we'll look into it. I mean, are you gonna are you gonna cancel Banksy for doing a recreation of the Marilyn Monroe? You know, uh, you, you're not because one's graffiti, and one's art. You know, of, of photography. Right. And they're two different platforms. Uh, you know, and and so that's that's the thing is that the whole recreational thing it it becomes an issue too where, um, like a lot of the the things that you're seeing with these NFTs and stuff is that people are are recreating memes. And they're selling memes 
and they're selling them for millions of dollars. Well, people are paying that for that. What's happening is what what started happening in like the 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 big old internet boom, right? Um, something popular comes around. Now, what do you know? Internet people do is is they're going to go and snag all the domains related to that topic, yeah. and then they're going to sell them off to companies that are <clears throat> wanting to capitalize on that name. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening with NFTs now. So people are like, for people who don't know, what are the NFTs? So the NFT is um, you talk it's about a, a non unfungal or non fungal um, coin. I, like uh, it's I forget the crypto. For. It's, it's crypto. crypto. It's okay. a digital yeah. signature. Yeah. That you can purchase to own that signature. So it is a license key. It is a password. Whatever you want to call it. It is a digital signature that only you own. The rights to and so now people are creating nfts for you know you had mentioned marilyn monroe picture uh there's one for like the mona lisa there's a lot for just art art yeah and so now like somebody took a picture right and and with it, a special it, app it, to is, do is a this scan just capitalism unleashed i mean at what point how, how far how many times do you split this hair of licensing you know what i mean like i no, i i agree i think this is just it's the new thing we have now figured out a way to sell and own a digital product yeah i mean i can i could sell um like my uh poor paintings my friends were telling me that i needed to start doing that making these you know selling them online because the digitals i still retain the license of that digital that i create now i'm the original creator i own it right but i can sell that license to someone else right so then whenever i whenever i sell a piece of artwork that means that i'm allowing them to make clothing with it, recreate it, do right. it whatever you want with it because it's yours, right? So, like, um, there's a lot of apps on your phone. And, like, the, the one tapestry thing that I showed you, how, like, I did that on an app. You know, I pulled my original artwork into it, but then I ran it through a, a kaleidoscope little little app, and it created a tapestry. I could sell that tapestry on clothing and, and online and business, stuff like that, but I could also sell that, that particular item as a piece of work and sell that that signature key license to that item so it it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter if it's music if it's art if it's anything as long as as long as you technically are the original but here's the here's where it gets kind of rocky is that when you have something like the mona lisa i mean who's gonna i mean uh, the the louvre the louvre's gonna come after you that's about that's about right that's who owns it you know the the museum that owns it but the thing is there is millions and millions of photos right. of the mona lisa the mona lisa is only about an 8 by 10 11 by 12 painting it's like tiny yet we all grew up thinking that this thing was like 20 right. you know 20 inches by 36 we thought it was this big painting and i went to the louvre and i saw it and i'm like and it's a little bitty painting, you know, but it's because somebody recreated that and then it's been recreated and it's been used in advertising. It's been used in everything, you know, and, and so there's a lot of things that. Well, you obviously couldn't backlog if you were to make a law for that. You could not. You, it would have to start that day. Nothing. And some, that's kind it. of the whole I point mean, of NFTs, though, is we're now selling intellectual property. So, wow. I mean, you what could... What a time to be alive. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's happened. This isn't anything new. This is just a new way to new do way it. Yeah, it's yeah. a new way to do it, and it's a lot faster. Yeah, you can create than... an NFT off a meme, an idea. Usually it's something that would normally be tangible uh, or shareable digitally, but now you're going to own the intellectual rights to it. Um, 
and you know it, and and they're and they're doing similar things like that where um your your intellectual property becomes the rights of whatever platform you're on if you've signed the contract yeah so i mean you you agreeing to be on facebook or to be on youtube or these other websites you're basically allowing them to own you own your stuff because i mean and that's all in their their agreements that's why they can demonetize you that's why they can do all these things and so whenever you start to create your own website or your own platform you kind of run into a legal world where you could possibly get sued by these big corporations because apparently you're stepping on their toes and yet back in the day that was that was the wild west of the 90s that was how all these companies came to be i mean whenever um myspace i think they they kind of they whenever they were switching to music and they were trying to go full music platform they they kind of screwed up because their original interface was perfect for it right and it had a list and it had a directory of music and everything like that and but the thing with it was was that whenever they decided oh well we want to grow we want to be bigger they didn't become a corporation, corporation yeah. they, they they stayed in lc they were just like well in lc's can be transferred to corporations so way. so it, it, out of nowhere facebook popped up and it was just done from there because facebook has this thing facebook's not the greatest platform for for doing things it's actually a very basic basic boring it, it's, it's very bad quality it's like coding sometimes uh, because some of the things that I try to do even on the Facebook pages don't work right. But, I mean, if I was to do a post, and let's say, you know, back to our, our discussion, that, like, if I was to do a post and I post a video, uh, the Flowers video, Johnny and all them, right? I, I can post to YouTube, but if I was to take that video, download it off YouTube, and put it on Facebook, and they were to come out and be like, hey, man, you can't do that, that's okay well crap you know and then, and then that post gets pulled um i i had a post that i was uh telling people how because one of my friends asked me how, how do i how do i set up a website how do i do hosting how do i do all this stuff so i started talking about different host options and how to how to get a domain how to go on the web to register all this stuff the pan the video got banned in less than 35 minutes and the reasoning behind it was because apparently i'm advertising for the hosting companies because of me mentioning them wow on facebook so, so facebook's in their their rules it basically says that you can't advertise other competitors to them that would hurt them but yet people do it all the time they're so doing it all the time it's like it's kind of like we were talking about stuff. last time payola so, never went away it just changed forms right <clears throat> you know if you got the money you can get the advertisement. If you have the advertisement, you get the plug. If you get the plug, you get your name out there. But it's like, you know, the traditional way of going out and gigging and grinding and, and picking up money to be able to do that is kind of, it's almost like you got to have the money up front, you know? And I guess in a weird way, you always kind of had to. Right. There were just more, or not more, there were different, more upfront ways of making money. Whereas opposed to bringing in, 10 cents from hundreds of different places, you know, you went and played a gig and you got paid 500 bucks or whatever. And you split that and you tried to have a band fund and you tried to build a business that way. So it's just kind of navigating this whole wild shoot, wild west shooting gallery that the internet is while colliding with traditional kind of upstart values. Right. And then circling back to, you know, is there original content anymore? A lot of people that, that are trying to, 
you know, I don't want to say, you know, make it famous, but like, if you want to be a, just to have a sustainable career, right? If, if your, if your goal is to be a career internet personality, we'll just say, um, a lot of times you can't do it without the help of other content. And by that, I mean, you know, popular songs, images, clips, things like that, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you had E-Bombs World. And right. that's where people yeah. shared videos, yeah. usually, you know, 8-bit memes and things like that. The chive. Right. Yeah. But then when YouTube kind of came out around that same time, a little bit later, you had kind of the OGs of, I'm going to show you, like, clip shows. And so you had, like, you know, Ray William Johnson um, was kind of, I think, what I would consider the pioneer in that, other than, you know, America's Funny Some Videos. But... He's the first internet person to do that. But now everybody is pulling in, you know, other artists' material, either as background noise or they are, you know, the, the, the reaction videos or anything like that. That's the only way they're getting clicks is by using other people's content. Right. So it, it's a lot harder to be a, an, like a completely original artist um, and, and kind of keep up with the popularity of using other people's content. Yeah, a great a great example of that is uh, is TikTok because yeah, I mean because right, because yeah. uh, people uh, you can go you I mean you can you can create a, a video on TikTok and use your own sound and your own this and and all that but you can also make it available your sound part you can make that available for use and so then like uh, what ends up happening on that is that people will use that one beat so there's a there's a recording of um the computer talking and it'll be like tell me something that's crazy that nobody ever told you about you know and then it plays that audio and then i don't know where the person tells what the crazy thing is or whatever those are those are becoming just these like constant the types of videos you know that mm. people are making and so they're different types of tiktoks that people are making that that they um they have the particular noise or whatever like the oh no song it, it, it's all in everybody's head now because the damn kids are playing a lot TikTok, of the tiktok videos is are, are those clips able to be monetized so yes. the people that make that available like do they get paid every time somebody uses that clip yes so so some of that stuff can be monetized um it, 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 the um tiktok like platform has the ability to uh, obviously do links, um, ask people to give you money. Um, you can you can also go on there and uh, and like I think it's like you can actually get credits and stuff like that that can be transferred in actual money. I don't, I don't know a lot about TikTok um, other than that. Whenever I'm bored, I just kind of sit there and scroll through videos. But I but I um I mostly I, I a lot of people it's weird because whenever it first came out people thought you were weird whenever you're older and you said you watch tiktok because it was mostly it was it was originally from uh kids well kids kids links and and singing songs and stuff like that and doing stupid little dances and stuff (laughs) and uh and i and i was like and i told somebody i was like no i i follow uh business tiktok and they're like what's that i'm like well they they have new business ideas and and ways to make money online and and they talk about stock and things like that Right, so I watch a lot of that. Uh, I also watch a lot of conspiracy TikTok, which which is some of them are just it's amusing to me. It's Everybody's got to take a deep dive every now. Yeah, and no, and, and it's funny. <laughs> no, it's funny because because uh, recently there's a few that I downloaded and um, they're they're about um, 
in music industry and it was uh it was it was talking about bts which um i don't know if you know bts is uh in japan uh there's a bunch of japanese uh or uh, like artists and stuff like that k-pop mm. in china and okay. J- japan and asia um and and so these k-pop artists they were talking about how uh they're basically slaves to their music industry and they were pointing out how there's these videos of them just like falling down on stage because they make them work and work and so work 24 so hours the japanese day. music industry is the, the experiencing the 60s and 70s of american music industry yeah i mean it, because they're working them to the bone yeah. and these artists are are falling down and and falling down on stage and passing out and and there's there's videos of all this kind of stuff but then they they talk about how um in america these artists would would talk about in their writings and their music was their way to kind of say that they were trapped by the recording industry. So like they, so like there's, there's um, things like Britney Spears um, having these little statements in her music that are like, um, like feeling like you're in a cage and things like that. And these lines, I, I that don't really know if now, she wrote any of her own music. Well, that's, that, and that's, that's where it, that's where, that's where you start to, you know, cause some, some of the music they did write themselves and some yeah. of them it's ghostwriters, but that even makes it even more conspiratorial. Cause why are they writing this? Like to, it's like they're torturing them or something. Aww, and that's where you get into the dark Aww. conspiracy stuff, you know? $50 and million, so, dollars, she's stuck in a cage. Um, yeah, yeah. She, her story is kind of fucked up when you really look at it, but uh, I don't know, man. What y'all think? Y'all about ready to wrap this up? Yep. You got anything you want to plug? I know it's only been a week, but... I know you sent me one yeah, song. Yeah, 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 I sent you uh, another one off uh, the EP that okay. I released back in 2019. <clears throat> cool. Called Retribution.
So we got some gifts coming up. Well, to say the least, uh, I'm just going to cover the diamond ballroom on this one because that's what I've seen on my Facebook feed this morning. But there are gigs all over the place, man. I mean, if you're if you're sitting at home bored, bitching about being at home bored, uh, that's a you problem. Um, coming up though, we got Dirty Honey. There, it's a kick-ass rock and roll band. I don't know if you've heard them. Very um, Aerosmith, AC/DC, just rock and roll. Good rock and roll band. <clears throat> but uh, they'll be playing at the Diamond Ballroom uh, June 19th. Uh, with Joyous Wolf opening up for them, and then Gojira, 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 Gojira. They're uh, I've seen them for years, but I never have actually seen them live. Um, they're playing in October, October fifteenth um, at the Diamond. I guess tickets are on sale now. I don't Man. think that seems like a pretty big lead time. I think they'll probably pack that place. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we got a country artist coming in. I don't have a date on it. It didn't say, but uh, Randall King coming to the diamond ballroom so things are opening up man i know on the comic stand-up comic front i talked to greg uh greg thomas here recently and and i know he's he's starting to see some things open up on that front too so it seems like either things are just getting better or people are just sick of being stuck at home and they're just going out anyways whatever the case is things are getting back around and a uh, big shout out and uh, congratulations to my boys of uh, of limbo out in california the davies brothers they got the spot opening up for Buck Cherry this summer, so uh, big nice. congratulations to those guys, man. I hope I hope it's a, a sign of things to come for them. So, uh, you got anything you want to take us out with our uh, our mission statement? Yeah, uh, well, um, I'm, I kind of have a few shows that I want to plug. Cool. So, um, Preethi is uh, is playing on Friday, uh, May 14th, which. Uh, uh, I think you should have this recording up by then because I'm working on it today. Sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, so May 14th uh, from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, that's going to be at Broke Brewing Company. So, um, so yeah, just definitely go out there, support. She's an amazing DJ, so um, definitely. She's awesome. To... She's really fun to talk to, too. Yeah, and, uh, and, then, um, and then also there's a big one uh, coming that uh, – I don't even know if you can even get tickets for this or if it's even available anymore because I'm pretty sure that this is going to be sold out. But uh, the Underground Dallas is pretty awesome. Uh, she's playing on the 522nd or 20, yeah, 522nd uh, show. Uh, and so that's going to be a really big event. There's going to be, I think the count on here is one, two, four, six. It's about it's about like probably about 20 30 DJs on here. Um, yeah, it's $20 at the door, 21 to enter. Uh, mass required uh, discount code. Um, they give a discount code for that. They have tables, lines. So um, yeah, you, um, I'll I'll do a post and stuff to actually like on the page and everything okay. to kind of give the information for this one. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a really big DJ event. Um, the 89th Street Collective. Uh, they they got like their emo night tours on uh, May twenty seventh. They uh, they got Kira, uh, which is um, uh, and oh, then uh, yeah, and then Pet Toads. Uh, they're playing on Saturday, uh, and then uh, Lotus Black and Like Before uh, with Pet Toads is uh, is playing on May twenty first. Uh, basically, I mean, there's there's a show at uh at the 89th every single week this week like awesome. like every single like uh, all the way in through june there's shows um that are being played there uh so definitely get out there it's off western um yeah, awesome venue uh and so i mean yeah just kind of go out check that one out um and then uh the uh another venue that you know i, I tend to uh 
regular go-to and everything is Blue Note, and they have a lot of big shows coming up, yeah. too. Uh, they, they have bands probably playing, like, three, four nights out of the week right now. Um, and so, I mean, it, it definitely it, it was exactly what, um, what I kind of saw was going to happen, where the moment that they kind of lifted a little bit and said, hey, we're going to open back up, we're going to allow these shows and stuff like that again, that it was going to blow up like a yeah. wildfire. And and that's exactly what it's doing, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, and like I said, we're, we're, we're in contact with the boys in uh, Kingdom of Ashes. Uh, they're, they're a working band, though. I mean, they've had gigs, so we're trying to line that schedule up for you guys. And uh, Elizabeth Turner, I just talked to, um, she's... she's probably shooting for june with her i know she's on the heels of a release right now so she's probably doing some work behind that so uh it's 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 coming back guys it's coming back and it's coming back in a big way so if you want to go check out some local music or even national tours i mean there there's just plenty of shit to do out there so and uh, hopefully these clouds will break and we'll actually have some sunshine come through and make it a little <laughs> bit better. So, yeah, and then uh, and then also the Zoo Amphitheater. I forget the date, but like uh, the very first show for the summer for the Zoo Amphitheater, I think it's in mid June, um, is Sticks. So oh, they're yeah. going to be they're going to be um, playing the Zoo Amphitheater. Soul. We're yep. talking about me and my wife are talking about going. Yeah. There. So um, so I mean yeah, definitely get out there support um, you know support the music, uh, support all these big bands, small bands, all bands. Uh, and um and then um basically um our podcast the local year shot and we uh we do on the value for value system that's time talent and treasure uh we value everybody's time for listening um we know that you know people can listen to pretty much anything nowadays uh they could listen to youtube videos or other stuff uh and so we value that uh and then talent if you're an artist if you're a band if you're in the music industry um we would like to talk to you and bring you on the show kind of have interviews and just the normal conversation we we kind of treat it like it's you know just a bunch of buddies just talking about music uh and then um treasure uh if you want to donate to the local earshot podcast uh it's uh um yeah local earshot.com backslash donate uh we take crypto and we also take uh, ventmo cash app um and paypal um and also uh i'm, I'm kind of looking at a lot of different apps to kind of do that a little better uh making a more streamlined process and then um the uh other things that we're working on is that the local earshot is uh i, I just now um, got the domain uh the live. Uh, that will be our push for the live feed so we can do the episodes live and I'm looking at all the different platforms to do that. Um, and so, um, I think things are coming along, um, and we're going to be growing and stuff. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Hey man. Thanks for listening. And like I said, I'm going to probably take a, you know, when you have a death in the family, it always makes you kind of reevaluate things. It's kind of how it goes, you know, but, uh, I'm I'm probably going to back off on the repair work stuff and uh folk put my main focus on into the podcast because i mean we're seeing uh, for for as small as it is and it, it, we definitely struck a chord uh, in the local area anyways and you know we've heard some a lot of positivity and and hey let's go with that so um <clears throat> i'm i'm we're going to talk about moving more towards into how we can get advertisers and how we can grow this thing for you guys and put on a pretty good production here but uh for what it is 12 episodes in i guess uh we've seen very positive response and we get to introduce you to 
people you might uh, want to work with on a commercial or a recording or whatever. And Skyler is definitely the guy to do it if you're looking for a hired gun. The dude's he's a he's he's the riff guy. Mm, thanks, man. So um, uh, so where can people check you out? Instagram. Yep, uh, Instagram's where I mainly go. So it's just at Skyler Tutor. Um, I'm also on YouTube and uh, Twitter. That's about it. Very cool. All right, man. This is the local earshot. <laughs>